Hi, my name is Alex Gary, and this is the Midway Village Time Capsule, where we talk to people about Rockford history, either people who research it or people who made it. And that's the reason we're talking with Richard Grayned today. Richard is the plaintiff in a case from the 60s called Grayned versus the City of Rockford. Welcome for Welcome to Midway Village. Thank you. So I was doing a little research beforehand. The Supreme Court only hears 100 to 150 cases a year. We have about 150 people hit by lightning. So this is one of those things where when people say you have a better chance of being hit by lightning than getting in front of the Supreme Court. And you're one of those very rare people. Okay. I, as far as I know, I've not been able to find another case from Rockford that actually made it to the Supreme Court. So, yeah, so that's, you are uh, definitely historic. Um, so let's go back to how the case originated. So if I was doing some reading, and this stemmed out of a protest at West High School. Can you go ahead and set the scene? Well, we had been there for a while. Well, even from junior high school to West High School, okay? And we, we, we uh, wondered why, in the history of everything we studied at school, that we didn't have anything about us, you know, as far as black people being involved in anything, community, you know, stuff like that. So we all got together in the class and decided that we wanted to find out why that we weren't included in the history or being taught history in school. So I didn't origin- that started out to us talking, and then we got together and we said, hey, look, Let's, let's, let's go to the principal and find out why we can't have this thing taken care of. And that's when the thing, everything started. I wasn't the original starter. There was other people involved in it, too. I was going to say, when I read, you were 20 at the time. So yeah. you'd actually graduated right. from West. From school. And um, the thing that kind of kicked this off was uh, an issue with the cheerleaders. Right. So... What exactly was going on with the cheerleaders? Well, the cheerleaders got involved, too, because they seen what was happening, too, what we were talking about, right? So they decided to join the movement, too, to come, come on board. Well, if I remember, so the, the cheerleaders, we had, like, 40 girls try out for cheerleading. Right. Six of them were black, right. and they were all told their grades weren't high enough. Right. So you had an all-white cheerleading squad at West. Right. And that kind of, that, that was the thing that kind of convinced you guys to do the actual protest. Protest, right. So did you... Who called you to say, hey, we're protesting? And, and you know, how did that all work? It was uh, one of the students at the school. I can't remember it to this day now. But it was one of the students that asked me, did I want to get involved in it? And I, that's when I came aboard then. Okay. So what was that morning like? Did you guys all, was it on the street? Was it in the, the, the schoolyard? I mean, what did you guys do that morning? We were on the sidewalk, okay? And we were just, just walking back and forth what I signed and stuff like that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then we, then all of a sudden, here comes the police and everybody else around it, and we, we were told that we couldn't protest on school grounds. But we were on the sidewalk, so, because, you know, that's part of the city. That doesn't belong on, that's not the school grounds. So we, we kept protesting back and forth and back and forth. The next thing you know, here comes the police. <laughs> And things got going. So did they take you down and 
individual police cars? Or did they have the, the paddy wagon? They, the paddy wagons they actually had a paddy they wagon? Paddy wagons all nine yards. Oh, my gosh. So how many people did you uh, get taken off with? I'd say probably about 10 or 15 of us. Uh-huh. So you were there how long before they came and took you guys away? Oh, maybe an hour or so. Okay. Maybe a little longer. I was sure. I was reading about the, the uh, like the the next Monday they had a big uh, meeting, and the mayor was there, and right. the mayor actually like marched out because they wouldn't allow him to like talk over people. Right. They, they they required him to like raise his hand. Right. So that that must have been. Did you go to that? No, I didn't go to that. Okay. Meeting. All right. So you got taken downtown. Downtown. Um, how long were you at the police station? Mm, probably about two hours. It took that long to process, yeah, process everything. Process everybody and everything. What was the fine? Let's see, what was the fine? Uh, I can't remember right now exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, we were, we were set out on, on reconnaissance. And okay. Then, I forgot what the fine was, but it was paid by the organization. So let's get into how this actually became a Supreme Court case. So you are one of 40 to 50 people that yeah, are right. charged. And most of them just, you know, paid the fine and moved on with things. Right. How did you decide or why did you decide that you were going to fight this? Well, my cousin, uh, Marshall Starks, from, uh, he's the one that organized it and got in, got the lawyers from Chicago, Sophia Hall and all of them. He was the one that did all that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. When you're done, I'll show you my Marshall Starks photo. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've got. I know. A lot, I know about Marshall Starks. Yeah, that's my cousin. Oh, interesting. Okay, because there, there was a few of you that fought it. There was a group of four that I that I saw it, fought it and lost, and that that included Benny Horton. Yeah. And then there was another student, and then there was yours. But yours was specifically on the grounds of it was um, a, a violation of your rights. Right. And that was because, and and all that became of because of Marshall and Sophia. Yeah. Yeah, because is our attorney from Chicago. So how was that for you? You know, all of a sudden, you know, your your name is out there. Yeah, I got farting. cast into the limelight. It really wasn't my front page, you know, situation. I didn't want to really be the, the main guy in the, in, the, in, the, in the show, right? Right. But I got thrust into it. Mm-hmm. And then when I met Sophia and talked to her and all of that, and she said, oh, well, we're going to take it further than this. And I said, okay, well. I'll roll with the punches, see where we get. All right, so it took three years um, before it was finally decided at the Supreme Court level. How much of this did, how much did this take up your life? Was this going on every day, or is like once a month a phone call saying, hey, here we're, here's where we're at? Well, once a month, every once in a while I go into Chicago to, the, to their office, Black, Black and Hall. I go up there and I talk to Sophia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then she contacted me and let me know what was going on, stuff like that. That's how, that's how we negotiated together. Mm-hmm. So each, uh, I think it lost at the Illinois Supreme Court, right. correct? And, um, but then it, you know, the, the Supreme Court decided to hear it. Right. Was that exciting? Was that scary? What? It was scary. Yeah? You talk about the Supreme Court, the highest court of the land, you mm-hmm. know. Here in my case and the rest of our the students' cases and stuff, mm-hmm. that was a big deal. Yeah. Did you get to go? No. That's what I thought. I was wondering if you actually no, got to go to Washington. I wish I could. I wanted to meet Thor Good Marshall. Ah, uh, that's too bad. Yeah, I wanted to meet him. Yeah. So, because at the Supreme Court level, right, the plaintiffs, they don't show up. No, it's just the attorneys. Just the attorneys, yeah. Just the attorneys went there. All right. So, um, what was your reaction when 
you found out you won. Mm. It was like a relief, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, the situation in the city was, wasn't that great at that time, you know what I mean? Redlining and all the other things that were going around the city. Let somebody know that we, that we stood up for one cause at least. You, know? mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't win them all, but at least one cause that we could get to that somebody could listen to us for a change. Are you one of the things the city did? If after I, I was reading about it, you won at the Supreme Court level because, if I remember right, um, this the law in that um, you were charged with made exceptions for labor unions, right? Which made it a um, equal protection issue, right? The city just went in and struck that out of the law, and okay. they still have an actual anti-picketing. Ordinance, yeah, law today. They just they just struck that out. So in a way, they just changed the law to get around the whole issue. That sounded like the city. <laughs> but I, I was reading about a story in 1989 when when West closed. Uh, they reached out to you, and at the time you were living in San Diego. Yeah, and you said that still, even even though the, the you know that it really didn't change much in terms of the laws of Rockford, right. you felt like that protest helped move West forward. Right. In what way? Well, I think we came on the map far as east and west, you know, because it was an east-west kind of situation at that time. And it seemed like east got more of the notoriety than, than west did. And the west was, you know, fairly de- you know, fairly decent school to go to, right? Mm-hmm. And we felt like, hey, how come we don't get that kind of notoriety? And then down the line, I guess the city decided that they want to take away West High School completely, make it a junior high school, which mm-hmm. I don't understand to the day because it's still a high school, but they made it a junior high school. I don't know what the purpose of that was. No, and that, that kicked off the lawsuit, yeah. which you know was that extremely was, damaging yeah, to Rockford. Was, that was pretty mm-hmm. audacious for them to do something like that. Yeah. So you were living in San Diego in 1989. When did you come back to Rockford? I came back here in '97. Uh, okay, why? Well, even though the city has given me some headaches, I I didn't want to raise my kids out in California. I didn't. I just didn't see the the way the way the system was out there to me. It was not great that great. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, we'll raise our kids here back here in Rockford. Okay. So we knew this city, you know. I mean, we, we knew the education system and who to talk to and who not to talk to to get our kids through the school system. Where did your five kids go to school? Uh, Auburn. 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 Yep. Welsh. Mm-hmm. Auburn and Welsh. They went to school there. So compare Rockford today to how it was in 1969. Have we made progress? Well, I've never my kids complain about it too much or nothing about the schools, so I figure they're not complaining. They ain't coming to me about it. The system must have improved a lot more. Mm-hmm. And you, you actually now work with the school systems, kind of, right? Yeah, As a bus driver. And, yeah, for the handicapped kids. Mm-hmm. I'm retired, semi-retired. You know, I couldn't just sit around and do nothing. Yeah. Do you ever drive by when you're you're driving that bus? Do you ever go by West? I go by. There. I got a kid that goes there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do they know about the case? No, he, these kids are handicapped kids. So okay. Know. But the teachers know. The teachers know? They know. Mm-hmm. They know about it. 
So looking back on it, um, any regrets? Not really. Not really. I, I think Rockford has changed in, in a way, though, because before, when I left here, it was a different kind of situation here in the city. Now, people are, people are spread out all over the city now. Back in the day, you, you knew exactly where every, just about everybody was at. Now, I go around and look and say, whoa, <laughs> yeah, they live here. <laughs> and back in the day, you, you didn't see that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You didn't see that kind of thing going on. But now that people are spread all over the city, I said, Rockford's changing. You know, it's changing for the better. Hopefully it keeps changing. All right, Richard. Well, thank you very much for coming in and talking about the, the famous case, Gray Ned versus the city of Rockford. Yeah, this is here. I wanted to show you something, too. Sure. Right fast. I wanted you to read this. All right. This I served as local curator for Greenwood Rising, the Black Wall Street History Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. An outside wall of Greenwood Rising bears this James Baldwin quote. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. If we want a better America, and surely we do, then we must face facts. We must face fears, and we must face forward. We must acknowledge those uncomfortable truths about our past and ourselves. We must grapple with the apprehensions that hold us down and hold us back. We must construct a vision that is inclusive and comprehensive and that advances all of us. When we begin to teach the people's history, that is, the history of all the people, in an integrated and balanced way, we will no longer need Black History Month.